Hello, and welcome to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore the why in the teaching profession. I'm your host, Christy Everhart. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss that million-dollar question of what's your why in education? Thank you and welcome to another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. And today I will be chatting with Miss Brianna Jones. And she is a teacher right here in the barbecue capital of Texas. How are you today, Brianna? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. All right. Can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself before we start getting into the heart of today's questions? Oh, absolutely. Um, so my name is Brianna, like, uh, you know, like Miss Everhart said, <laughs> and I uh, am originally from New Braunfels, Texas, born and raised there, uh, K through 12. And I went to New Braunfels High School. So I'm a unicorn, not a cougar. And I graduated from there and went to a liberal arts college in Missouri. It was a women's college, which was a really like formative experience for me. And then I transferred back to Texas State, graduated in 2019. Um, I started subbing long-term at an alternative campus and then the pandemic hit and I was kind of stuck for a while. And then I've been teaching at Lockhart since uh, the 2020-2021 school year started. Fun. You are one of our new pandemic teachers. That's got to be. teacher. <laughs> Speaking of coming into the profession and being new to that, what made you make the decision that you wanted to enter teaching in the first place? Well, I actually started wanting to be a teacher, I think, back when I was in uh, ninth grade, if I'm not mistaken. My mom would probably know how to correct me on that. Um, but I was lucky enough that my school had a program for students that wanted to be teachers. I believe we had to take a prerequisite course of uh, human growth and development before we could sign up for this course. But it was basically a, a teaching course, if you will. Um, I was in... So obviously high school is two semesters. So my senior year of high school um, in the fall semester, I elected to be with a group of first graders and I loved it because for the longest time I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher, um, which is really funny if you know me now because I'll get to that. But it's pretty funny to think about me being a kindergarten teacher, um, <laughs> at least in my eyes. But you're in junior high and that's that's a huge leap. So it's a very different thing. So the reason I got to that was, so I spent the first semester uh, with first graders and I adored them. They were so stinking sweet. Um, but I found that I was like, hmm, I'm kind of having a hard time connecting with this curriculum. Like it's not really vibing with me, if that makes sense. So I yeah. asked for my placement to be moved for the second semester. Um, and I was in an eighth grade class, which I, I wanted to go to middle school because I was like, I want to see what that's like. And it's kind of weird whenever you're in high school being and teaching in a high school class. So I was like, ah, I don't really want to do that because I'm still in high school. That feels weird. But middle school was yeah. kind of removed. I'm like, I'm going to give that a shot. Um, and so I was with an eighth grade U.S. history class. Uh, basically, what we would we did was we would go in there and we would just observe like that was it. We would just sit there and observe and then help as needed um, based on the directive of the teacher. Uh, and I was able to work with my old eighth grade U.S. history teacher. He was still there. His name is Mr. Alcala. Um, but that was really cool because I loved him as a teacher. He was an awesome teacher. But anywho, 
working with those kids, I was uh, really clicking with the sarcasm and the wit and the just the ability. I, I was it was easier for me to build a rapport with that age level. Um, and then kind of reflecting on it as I continued my journey through college, because, you know, eventually you have to figure out what grade do you want to teach? Cause that's going to affect, um, I was like, I really think that I want to teach middle school. And a lot of people will be like, what? That's crazy. But middle school is such a formative age group. Uh, I remember having a lot of awesome teachers in middle school, but anyways, that's kind of how I ended up deciding that I wanted to teach middle school was that experience. Um, and then continuing in college, obviously you have some courses where you work with middle schoolers and that just kind of cemented it. So yeah, that's kind of how I ended up in the teaching field in the first place. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And then I love the, just the jump and the fact that you make the connections with the kiddos because the middle school is just a whole different breed. They're 100%. amazing and wonderful, but they are a different breed of of kiddos. Yes, and they are. <laughs> I absolutely love that. So that's an interesting and awesome story that you share. So as you decided and you decided in high school that you wanted to be a teacher and then you eventually settled on, yeah, I want to, I want to go to middle school because I really vibe with that group. How did you form your teacher? Why? So within that, I know I want to teach. I know I want to work with this group. What's your big purpose and your why in your education and and why you come back every day and, and, and shape these minds that you do. So I had a lot of really, and I know that this is a lot of people's uh, story, but I, I, it resonates with me for sure. I had a lot of really awesome educators throughout my entire uh, career in, uh, in K through 12 education, I guess you could say, but I had a lot of fantastic middle school teachers. And so for me, like middle school in general is just embarrassing. Like existing is embarrassing when you're in middle school because there's all these changes going on and you're trying to figure out who you want to be. But you also have these expectations that have been set um, from your experience in elementary school. So it's kind of weird. Um, but anywho, I had a lot of really awesome middle school teachers. So whenever people talk and look back at their middle school experience, you know, because you get on that topic with people randomly, they'll be like, oh, my God, middle school was terrible. I hated it. I didn't necessarily hate middle school because of school, if that makes sense, um, yeah. because I had a lot of really great teachers that made it easier. And so I think for me, part of my why is being able to come in here and knowing that I am making life a little bit easier for those kiddos. I hope, you know, that's my hope. Um, they come in here and they feel like this is a safe space for them, that they can just express themselves however they want to. And that um, I know that bullying is a huge problem, especially in middle school and especially with all the technology we have nowadays. Um, I think that it's really important to have teachers that are willing to create that safe space and to make sure that hatred has no place in your classroom, regardless of, you know, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, beliefs, like all of that should be, everybody should be able to exist in my classroom as they are. And, you know, bigotry and hatefulness just doesn't have a place here, frankly. I think it's real. That is something that is really important to me, knowing that I'm here and making that space for kids who need it. That really matters to me. And also 
being able to teach kids about reading and hopefully stoke some love of reading. Cause I feel like by the time kids get to middle school, they've been AR'd to death and they're like, I just, I don't want to read. I hate reading. Reading sucks. And in reality, like there's a book out there for everybody. Um, so being an English teacher, it's really important to me to make sure that kids have books that they want to read and have books that they see themselves in. That's kind of the beauty of being an English teacher is having those little gems on your bookshelf. And whenever that kid's like, I don't feel like reading, you can bring that book over and be like, well, this kid, blah, 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 in this book. And the kid's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then they come back the next day and they're like, I loved it. It was so good. Both of those are kind of like, I guess me having really good teachers, um, but those are kind of my whys. And also whenever kids give you like little like rocks and stuff, <laughs> that also like leads into that's why I come back here every day because I know that I've made those connections when they do something like that. Like I had a kid bring me a rock and they're like, I saw this and I thought of you. And I'm like, this is just it's good. <laughs> good for the soul. And in middle school, you know, it's important because they don't have to like us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, you have a very unique experience as an educator, I feel, because unlike some of us who are have been here for many, many years already, you are in your second full year. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. So you joined in, right in the heart of pandemic teaching and yeah. has your why been affected as you've like actually been okay, now I am actually the sole person responsible for this classroom. You're not under the guidance of other teachers anymore. And and here, let's just throw you in where, you know, we don't know what's going on from day to day and you never know how many kiddos you're going to have. Like, has your why changed throughout that? Well, yes and no. Um, I think that going into education, a lot of people, um, unfortunately, also a lot of uh, white educators like have this, you know, everything's going to be like, uh, oh, what's the name of that one movie? Freedom Riders. Like, that's what <laughs> that's what you envision teaching's going to be like. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make a difference, which is right. a beautiful, wonderful and stupid idea. <laughs> um, like, yes, obviously, like it would be great if I came in here and I just was like, we're going to listen to hip hop and everybody's going to want to write after that. But that's just not how it is. Um, so I think that, uh, readjusting my expectations was definitely part of, uh, my, you know, kind of reframing things, especially in pandemic teaching, because last year was just hard. I mean, this year is hard too. Right. At least you had a little bit of elementary background though. Oh yeah. You didn't spend all of your time in junior high. Right. Okay. And so talked about the pandemic and we've talked about how I, I love the reference to freedom writers and the very harsh realization that teaching is not always this picture perfect beautiful world where everything just clicks with everybody and it has a lot of challenges you know with behavior with students being out due to pandemic with all the data and everything else and 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 trying to bring up students who are lower, as you mentioned, that are way lower than what you would have expected. So all of these challenges, how, when you're just in the, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing and how I'm going to go on. How do you get reconnected back with your purpose and your why for, again, why you choose to come back and try to make this 
beautiful place for the middle schoolers where, you know, they feel safe and they feel welcome in the tough times. Well, I think that part of it is trying to find other educators to talk to um, because really those are the only people who know what you're going through. Um, and I'm saying educators that have taught during the pandemic because I'm not knocking on anybody that hasn't done that or that was in education. I mean, my, my own grandmother, for goodness sake, was in education for years upon years, but we are facing challenges that nobody has ever faced before. Um, so finding other people that are in that struggle and just like letting yourself vent and letting yourself be, you know, kind of the thing about last year, I felt like I had to grieve what I thought my first year was going to be like. I didn't get to have all of the fun little cute things that you do your first year of teaching as much as, you know, I would have if it hadn't been a pandemic, if that makes sense. Um, like we didn't have a school dance. We didn't have a talent show. We didn't get to do any of that stuff because pandemic. So I think for me, what I ended up having to do, especially last year, and I've gotten a lot better about this this year, is setting boundaries on when I am doing school things because it is so easy to come in at 7 a.m. and then be here until the bell rings. And you know, you're debating, should I take stuff home? Should I just stay here and finish working? So having kind of having that, I'm going to set a hard boundary for myself and keep it. And that is me respecting my own time. That is me respecting, you know, my mental health and my sanity. And also being able to reach out to administrators and say, this is too much. Like we are having to do too much. I need you to tell me what is the most important thing right now so that I can get that done and move on with my own personal life. So I would say probably like venting with other teachers and uh, just kind of working. That, that can also be not just, you know, bashing everything, but kind of being like help what do I do <laughs> and getting that assistance, but also setting hard boundaries for yourself because as a first year teacher, I didn't do that very well. And it took a significant toll on my mental health. Also going to therapy and talking stuff out. That's been really helpful as well. Um, that kind of honestly stepping away from education sometimes helps me to reconnect with my why, because when you get bogged down in it, it's just, there's so much to do all the time and so many challenges to overcome. And that can be really frustrating. Exactly. It is very immersive and seems to follow you wherever you go. I teach in my sleep most of the time as well. Right. And it's, do I, not have a break? Like, I love what I do and I'm, I'm happy that I love what I do. I, I love that. And I think it's awesome that even as such a new teacher, you're already realizing the importance of being able to set those boundaries and to have those healthy boundaries and to be able to express, you know, this is what I need. This is too much. I love the tell me what is the most important so that I can get that done. One thing that I wanted to ask you about is you mentioned that it's really important to be able to connect with other educators. And it seems to me in teaching when we're there, you know, it's really like almost like going back to your middle school days where you have your little groups and your little cliques and you only talk to the people that are in your group. Right. Um, how do you connect even outside of your little groups? Like you mentioned that the connections are important. You need to be able to vent, but do you connect with groups outside of just the small little groups that we have set up within the schools? Oh yeah. I, 
I think that it's helpful that there were people last year that were on my team that aren't on my team this year, because that's kind of allowed me to go and talk to them about stuff. And they kind of have a fresh set of eyes and, uh, and more experience than I do and usually can kind of guide me in that way. Um, I think bus duty is a place where I've connected with people I wouldn't have talked to otherwise, because you know how our school is set up. We all have our own little hallways. But I think also just being willing to step outside of my comfort zone, like at the beginning of the year, um, I remember asking Ms. DiPietro to walk me through how she teaches vocabulary to her kiddos, because I feel like they always are on point in sixth grade science. Like they always have it together with vocabulary. Um, so I think being willing to step out of that comfort zone and go and talk with people or Miss Allen. Um, I went to go talk to her because I was like, we're going to be teaching refugee and I want to check on um, the like what articles are you using for these different things. And so she kind of walked me through what they were doing because um, you're right. We do kind of get in our own little islands. But I think that that's kind of how I do that. I step outside of my comfort zone. And also like on TikTok, I have teachers that I talk to on there. And I have teachers that I know that are in Washington and in Wyoming and, in, you know, all over the country. And also friends that I made at Texas State and connect with them and reach out to them whenever I think that I could use their help. And I think that that's, I mean, do that. I would say it's really easy to get in your group and have your own little pocket of people, but it's also important to talk with other educators at your school to know what's going on, not just with your group, but with everyone else. Because more than likely, kind of like every time we have a faculty meeting with a thought exchange, there's other people that are thinking the same thing as you. And it's important to find those people so that you don't feel like you're crazy <laughs> for thinking the things you do. Like, it's nice to have other people... I, I was telling my, I think I was talking to my mom about that. I remember on Facebook, there was a lot of teachers posting about what they're struggling with uh, right now in their classrooms and how this year has been almost harder in some ways than last year. And that helped me so much as a second year teacher, because I don't have that, uh, that point of view yet, or that frame of reference. Yeah. I don't have the experience to know kind of how things were before the pandemic, right? So seeing other teachers that are, you know, 10 or 15 years into this being like, this is hard. <laughs> that helps me not feel like I'm crazy, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely the connections, because it's very easy, I feel, to get stuck in your, but this is how I feel. And nobody else surely feels like exactly. You know, I get super, super passionate about what I do. And then, you know, I, I have to connect with other people who are equally excited, especially when I'm tired. It's like, okay, where are my excited teachers? Tell me something awesome that, you know, yes. brings me back and gets me fired up. So I think that's awesome. What advice do you have for teachers who are, you know, having really having trouble, especially in the pandemic, really getting connected back to the why? Because again, going back to what you said, especially as a new teacher and you kind of go in thinking it's going to be beautiful, like the movies, you know, how they portray teachers and everything's just perfect by the end of the movie. And then it's not. So do you have any advice for some of the new to profession teachers or even some of us veterans when, you know, we're just really like, this isn't working and I can't make it work with my why? What advice would you give them? I did last year and that I've started to do this year is I collect the little notes that I get from students and from other teachers, um, the pictures that they draw, like all of that kind of stuff. And I have it in a yellow binder that I call my sunshine binder. 
And it's something that I flip through whenever I'm having a really hard time and questioning everything, basically, <laughs> because it's like, that's like, that's why you're here. You're here for the kids. You're here for the connections that you've made with other people. And at the end of the day, like, that's what's going to keep you here. So that's something 100% I would suggest setting up a sunshine binder, but also like go to therapy. <laughs> I mean that with all of the love and respect in my heart to whoever is listening to this. I promise talking through your issues with a third party person that has no stake in like in what your life really, it helps a lot. Last year, I was just I, I broke down, I don't even know how many times before I finally made that call and set up an appointment with this therapist and just being able to have somebody help me process it and tell me like what you are going through and what you are experiencing is valid and not trying to offer all of those toxic positivity, like, oh, make sure you practice self-care, make sure you wash your face, make sure that you take time to travel, make, you know, that kind of thing. It was really nice to just have somebody say, wow, that sounds really difficult and just be sitting in that and being okay with that. I think it's really important to sit with that feeling and then that kind of helps you to move on from it. Um, and you might go back to it and that's okay. Like we, I, I go through that process, you know, every now and then where I'm like, why am I here? And then I have to sit with that feeling and then I'm like, okay, we process that and now we can leave that on the shelf and move on with our lives. I'll go back and pick it up eventually. And then again, have to process it and move on yeah. with my life. But yeah, that's have a sunshine binder and go to therapy. There's my two pieces of advice. <laughs> I love that. And I appreciate that you're normalizing the idea of going to therapy because I think that's taboo in a lot of, a lot of the world, but as somebody who has also had just the point of like, I cannot make it if I do not go talk to somebody on the outside. Like it really does. It makes a huge difference. It changes it things. Being able to verbalize and, and force yourself to think and talk through the things that are in your head that you can't express. And then knowing that that's a safe space to be able to do so, I think is right. huge makes a definite difference. So I appreciate that you're saying that that's very helpful and also, Absolutely. you know, definitely keeps you able to come back to your, your why and, and be able to come back and function and, and really connect with your purpose and, and your teaching. Cause I know there are times where if we stay in our own headspace, we just can't. So I right. appreciate that. And I also keep the sunshine binder and <laughs> it's just so fun, especially like just wait till you get several years down the line. Cause then you'll be like, Oh, I remember this day. Exactly, and like, yes, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. So thank you very much for sharing both of those. And finally, I would like to offer you an opportunity to shout out somebody in your life. That's just really made a difference in your education world um, and made you kind of helped you become the educator that you are today. I'm probably going to have to shout out Mr. Corpy. He was my high school calculus teacher. And the reason I'm shouting him out is because obviously through our conversation, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm an English teacher. Um, <laughs> math is not my subject, but he made me feel like it could be, um, I'm like going to cry because he really like had a huge impact on me. I felt like I was dumb when it came to math. Um, 
but I took I took AB calculus with him and just his ability to explain things in a way that it, it didn't matter if I sat there and I was like, I don't get this. He would figure out another way to explain it to me. Like, and he would do that over and over again um, because he knew his subject so well, he could put things in layman's terms for me or scaffold it down to where I could finally reach the, what I needed to reach. And mm -hmm. I did end up taking the AP exam and I got a four on it. And if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know what AP is, five is the highest you can get and three is passing. So I got a four, which is pretty darn good for a calculus one. And I don't think I would have been able to do that if he hadn't been there for me. Um, he's an awesome, awesome man. And he uh, is still teaching at New Braunfels High School. So I highly recommend if you are a person that isn't very mathy trying to get up there because I promise you it's worth it. That's awesome. And you said you were a senior when you had him? Yeah. Oh, that's even more incredible because I know by the time we're a senior, we've definitely had that mentality shaped. So we feel like we're very smart or we're very stupid. So for a teacher to be able to change that in you is incredible. And I appreciate you sharing that shout out. That's awesome. Absolutely. And lastly, for our listeners out there who would like to connect with you, what are some ways they can connect with you on social media or however you want them to connect with you? I would say definitely hop on my TikTok. But uh, that's probably the best way to reach me because that's like open. Anybody can follow me on there. Nice. And anything else you want to say to our listeners before we end this episode? Oh, wait, they can follow me on Twitter, too. That one <laughs> is I was thinking about that. I'm like, I do have an education Twitter. It's uh, Miss Jones 678, uh, just M-S-J-O-N-E-S 678. And also, if you're listening and you're a baby teacher and you're kind of getting discouraged by things that you might be hearing, I promise you there's people out there that still want to be teachers. I might post on TikTok about how hard it is, but for me personally, I want to do it so badly that all of the hard stuff, I can deal with that because the good stuff is so good. So don't get absolutely. too discouraged. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm a year 14 here and it is, you know, even in the tough times, I told my husband, I was like, Everybody asks, what would you do if you weren't a teacher? And that seems to be the million dollar question in middle school. And I'm like, I don't know. This is this is who I am. And it's, you know, it's absolutely where my heart is. And even even in the tough times, all you need is that one, you know, student smile or that one light bulb to go off and you forget everything that was hard or difficult. So I yeah. love that you're encouraging the baby teachers as well, because this is an amazing profession and truly, truly worth every second of it. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, thank you so much, listeners. You've been listening to Our Heart for Teaching as we shared with Brianna Jones today. If you would like to connect with her on Twitter or TikTok, you can reach her. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can get with me on Twitter or email. And I hope y'all have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to Our Heart for Teaching. You have been listening to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore our purpose and our why in the field of education. If you would like more information or to share your own purpose in education, be sure to connect with me on Twitter at A Heart for Teaching. I look forward to hearing from you soon and please tune in to the next episode of Our Heart for Teaching.